We are starting a new series today. Very excited about that. We're talking about being prepared for persecutions. You know, these are crazy times. There's lots of stuff going on. A lot of people are feeling intruded upon in their lives. And uh, in times of testing, that's when our true character comes out. This is a time of testing. This is a difficult time. This is a time of shaking. And so we need to be prepared for persecution. We need to be prepared to pass the tests. I'm going to start with the explanation of the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. So Jesus was talking about the seed that falls on the path and the seed that falls in the shallow soil, the rocky soil, the seed that falls among the thorns and the weeds, and the seed that falls in the good soil and produces a crop a hundred 60 or 30 times what is sown. And then this is the explanation. One of my favorite parables, because of course, Jesus explains it and we don't have to guess what it means. Here we go. Matthew 13, starting in verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So the shallow soil here, verses 20 and 21, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. So these are people, they understand the good news of the gospel. They're happy that Jesus has died for them and they want to go to heaven and they want to have a great experience of following Christ in this life. But since they have no root, they're shallow, they're not deep. They don't understand the spiritual battle. They don't understand the hardships and the difficulties that are facing them. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Our focus in this series is going to be avoiding being the shallow soil. We don't want to be the people who, when trouble or persecution comes, we fall away. We have a faith crisis. We have something, a, a great turmoil in our lives, and we're confused and just tempted to walk away. We don't want to be that. Jesus didn't say if trouble or persecution comes. He says when trouble or persecution comes. In this world, we will have trouble. And so we need to be ready for trouble. We need to be ready for persecution. We need to be ready for difficulties. And persecution has been part of the Christian experience since Christ. You know, we have a symbol of Christianity, which is the cross, which we have a, a wonderful, beautiful cross here in our sanctuary. It's an incredible blessing to preach in front of this cross. But what is the cross? It's a symbol of a torture and execution device used by the Romans to kill our Savior. That's what the cross is. It's about persecution. It's about hardships and pain. And it's just amazing that 
the symbol of Christianity is an execution device. So persecution's been there since Jesus. The early apostles of the 12 disciples, 11 of them suffered dramatically. Of course, Judas had a different end, a terrible end himself, but 10 of the rest of the 11 were martyred. And then John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And so he had a rough go of it as well. They all fought. And then about the first 300 years or so of Christianity, there was tremendous seasons of persecution. You know, I mean, there's ups and downs with that whole thing, but it was, it was a difficult road for the first 300 years. Lots of persecution, lots of difficulties. So Persecution is part of our history as Christians, and it's something that is prophesied for the future. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 24, and this is Jesus speaking about end times events and some very important things in Matthew chapter 24, but we're just going to read 11 verses from verse 4 to verse 14 and try to get a sense of Uh, You know, well, the first 300 years of Christianity were pretty rough, but maybe now we're good. You know, maybe the problem's solved. Nope. Here we go. Matthew 24, starting in verse 4. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. But here we see verse 13. It's the same thing. Jesus is saying the same thing from the parable of the sower, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. We must persevere. The prophecy is that there will be persecution and it seems to go all the way up to the second coming of Christ. So we see definite issues, definite problems with what is happening in the area of persecution for Christians. So we need to be prepared. It's something from the past. It's something prophesied for the future. And it's something that's going on today. I want to tell you a story that I heard from Voice of the Martyrs in preparing for this series. I thought, well, I'm going to go check out Voice of the Martyrs and see what's going on. And and of course, they've got a bunch of stories, but I just want to tell you one. And this happened in India. There was a pastor in India who went to a village to share the gospel in 2017. And three families were brought to Christ. Three families put their faith in Jesus and started following Jesus. But the pastor started experiencing a lot of persecution and was no longer able to stay visiting that village. It just wasn't safe. So they were left on their own. These three families that were brand new believers were left on their own. And there was a young man, a teenager named Samaru, who basically took the reins 
and started leading Bible study groups and just, you know, encouraging the believers and keeping them together, praying together. And just he basically became a, a lay pastor as a teenager of these brand new Christians. And that was three years ago in 2017. And then this summer in June, the persecution was continuing And there was a group of people that came to his house and said they wanted to have a meeting with him. And they took him out into the woods and he was murdered at the age of 19 for being the lay pastor of this group, this small group of new believers. He was three years in the Lord, got saved three years ago, started as a teenager leading this group of believers and then was martyred just this June, June 2020 at the age of 19 years old. Persecution is still going on. Today, the dangers of persecution, as well as, you know, the dangers of facing opposition and hardship are significant to the believers. There's a reason why the enemy will persecute, will bring hardships and difficulties. It's because it's hard for us to handle that. It's difficult. I hope you're inspired by Samaru's story, his willingness to risk his life for his newfound faith and then to be martyred. What are the dangers of persecution, the dangers of opposition and hardship and difficulties? You know, when we're faced with testing, we can either rise to the occasion or we can crumble and fall. We can either step up and say, I'm going to face this head on and I'm going to be an overcomer, or we can shrink back, we can yield, we can fade away like the shallow soil. The battlefield is in your heart. It's not about whether or not you experience persecution. It's about how you handle it in your heart. We will all face difficulties. I mean, you don't even have to be a Christian to face difficulties. Everybody's going to face hardships. Everybody's going to face difficult things. But when you're specifically singled out as a Christian, the bigger problem than the persecution or the difficulty that you're facing is what happens in your heart. Are you full of faith And the fruit of the spirit during these negative times, these bad experiences, or are you caught up in, you know, negative, dark emotions? You can start thinking about the injustices and the the bad things that are happening and you can just swirl around and those negative emotions can grow and build and become a serious problem in your heart. There's a phrase that I heard somebody, I can't remember who said it, but uh, I like to use it. And that is, you know, hurt people, hurt people. When in your heart, you're wounded, you tend to do damage to other people. But I also believe that healed people heal people. That a person who is at that place where they are overcoming and they have been brought through difficult circumstances, they can help other people through those difficult circumstances as well. Hurt people, hurt people. But healed people heal people. When we face persecution, if we walk around wounded, then we're going to wound others. But if we are overcomers, then we're going to be able to help others overcome as well. So we need to realize the battlefield is in the heart and that's where we need to win. We read Matthew 24. I just want to reread verses 10 and 11, because I see four serious problems with Christianity. And these two verses have three of the four. It's amazing. We're talking about persecution. Persecution can lead to three out of four very bad things in the body of Christ. So 24 verses 10 and 11, Jesus says at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. 
So three out of the four major problems in Christianity, in the body of Christ with the believers is at that time, many will turn away from the faith as quitters. Problem number one is quitters. When we have people who quit like the shallow soil, it gets hard. So they quit whatever they're quitting on. Uh, you can quit on things smaller than your faith. You can quit on, you know, the event that you were helping with or whatever you can quit, but being a quitter is not helpful. We need to be overcomers. At that time, men will turn away from the faith. They'll quit and will betray and hate each other. That's the second one. And this is internal division. Betray and hate each other. Quitters, internal division, huge problems in the church. And then the third one, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. False religion, false teachings. That's the third one of the four that I can see. If you can see more major problems with the church, Put them in the comments, write me a letter, whatever you want to do. I can see people quitting, internal division, false teaching or false religion as three of the four. And the fourth one I see is complacency. People who are just apathetic and they don't rise to the occasion. They just sort of wait it all out. Just wanting to go to heaven, but not wanting to serve God now. So complacency, I would say, is the fourth one that is not listed here in Matthew chapter 24. But we don't want any of those, right? We don't want to quit. We don't want to have internal division. We don't want to be susceptible to believing false teaching. A lot of times, if you've got negative emotions, you're susceptible to believing false teachings. You know, we want to be full of faith. We want to be trusting God. We don't want to be all worried that the enemy is going to win or, you know, all worried about the conspiracies and the problems. And you're susceptible to false teaching when you have those negative emotions running in your heart and in your mind. You don't want to be in that place. So we don't want to be susceptible to quitting, to internal division, or to believing false teachings, we want to be more than conquerors, right? We want to overcome because we know that in this world we will have trouble, but Jesus has overcome the world. So hallelujah, let's grab a hold of that. Let's be overcomers. Let's be prepared for persecution so that when it happens, we can handle it. So how do we prepare? I got three steps. Step number one, know and understand the biblical teachings on the subject. This is probably step one in every situation that you're dealing with. Know and understand the biblical teachings on the subject. Step two, believe that you can follow the biblical teachings on the subject. That's probably step two on most of the things that you're dealing with. And then step three is go and practice in your daily life. Practice on today's light and momentary troubles. So know and understand the biblical teachings on the subject, being prepared for persecution. Let's go to Matthew 5, and we're going to, we're going to look at several sections of scripture here in understanding what the biblical teachings are. Uh, it's an important topic, and it's dealt with over and over again in the scriptures. We're going to start in verse 38 and go to verse 48 says this, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So 
the iconic teaching of turning the other cheek. And I believe this is a situation where people are asking us to go with them a mile and we go with them too. That's what we're supposed to do. So that's what we do. We're following the guidelines. We're participating, not worried. You know, it it says here, do not resist an evil person, but if they want force you to go one mile, go with them too. So it doesn't even have to be somebody who's asking you to go a righteous mile. It can be a mile that you shouldn't have to go, still go too. It's important for us to overcome in that way. And then continuing in this section, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect or be complete. Be mature, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Basically, what this is talking about is the first one is pick your battles. You know, if somebody wants you to go one mile, go with them too. That's no big deal. Not asking you to renounce the faith, not asking you to blaspheme God. It's just go ahead and put in some effort. Pick your battles. You're going to have more important things going on in your life than these minor things, these inconveniences. Don't get in a big to-do over these little things. Go ahead, turn the other cheek. They want your shirt, give them your shirt and your jacket. They want to go one mile, go two. Pick your battles, man. And then pray for those who persecute you. This is such a big deal. They need some prayer. If they're a persecutor, their heart is all messed up. You know, they need some prayer. They need God to intervene in their life. They need a hug from heaven. They might need more than that. But also, as we say every time when we do our one minute blessing, when we pray, it moves the hand of God, but it also changes the heart of those who pray. And when you pray for those who persecute you, when you pray for those who are, you know, doing injustice against you, when you pray for people who are opposed to you, then it protects your heart and you can have a love for them. You can care about them and you're not going to swirl into all those dark emotions again. You know, it really helps to overcome that anger and bitterness and resentment when you're praying for them. It really helps you rise above the situation. The first biblical teaching From Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, if somebody asks you to go one mile or ask for your shirt, you know, or slaps you on the cheek, give them the other cheek, give them your jacket, go two miles, you know, do the extra and then pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. It's about maturity in Christ. That word that's translated perfect in verse 48 really means grown up, means to be a grown up. You know, of course, our father in heaven is a grown up. But we need to be grown-ups too, not little children who just get mad over everything. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's Matthew 5. Romans 12. I would say Romans 12 is one of my very favorite sections of Scripture. I have lots of favorite sections of Scripture, but let's read Romans 12, 17 through 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. So when evil hits you, do you give evil back? No. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I like verse 18. Verse 18 is nice. You know, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You don't be the problem. You know, there's lots of problem people out there. Have it not be you. As far as you can do it, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. 
For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So the heaping burning coals, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but basically it's not talking about torturing the other person. It's talking about bringing them to a place where they feel sorry for what they've done, bringing them to a place of repentance. If somebody is mean to you and you're kind to them and they're mean to you and you're kind to them and they're mean to you and you're kind to them, at some point they're going to realize they're the mean one and you're the kind one and their heart is going to change. So if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. That's how we are not overcome by evil but we overcome evil with good. So of course the opportunity to be overcome by evil is all around us. We don't want to be overcome by evil, but we want to be overcomers. We want to overcome evil with good. What happens when we do that? Well, we go from the helpless victim, the one that's overcome by evil into the empowered champion, the one that overcomes evil with good. You take control. That's a big deal to go from helpless victim to empowered champion. You want to be that person. You go from having a bunch of dark emotions, bitterness, anxiety, and fear to those emotions melting away as you overcome evil with good. Instead of being all caught up in bitterness and anxiety and fear, you've got love and peace and faith that replace those when you overcome evil with good. But if you reply, if you respond with evil for evil, then you just get caught up in that big, ugly thing. And you don't want to be caught up in that big, ugly thing. You want to be an overcomer. You want to be full of love and peace and faith. That was teaching number two. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through to 26. Another one of my favorite sections of scripture. Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy, a young pastor, and he says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. All right. So are there foolish and stupid arguments in this world that you could get engaged in? I think there are. Have nothing to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. We need to not get caught up in the argument, not get caught up in the debate, not get all hot because we're watching something on the news and we're getting all worked up and sucked into it. We're not supposed to be quarrelsome. We're not supposed to be opinionated on these matters. It's a side issue that clouds the gospel and we don't want to get caught up in that. Instead, we want to gently instruct people in hope. Not creating an adversarial relationship, but again, bringing the love of God to people. Gently instructing. If they'll listen, gently instruct. If they won't listen, don't say anything. It's not worth it. It doesn't do you any good. If they won't listen, just let it go. Talk about something else. But if they will, you can gently instruct. Have kindness in your heart. Don't be quarrelsome because you love those people and you want them to come to a place where they understand the more important things, the things of God. 
The things of this world and all the arguments that are going on, it's just there to sell advertising. You know, don't get sucked into that. Instead, grab a hold of the good things of God and gently instruct, gently help others. Then Hebrews chapter 10, this is talking about persevering. The reality is the spiritual battle will get old. I've been doing this for 30 years now. I've been a Christian for 30 years, little over. And, you know, at the beginning, you're all gung-ho and excited and you'll face any opposition. And then as time goes on, it sort of wears on you. You know, it gets a little bit more difficult. And that's what the people that were being written to in the book of Hebrews were experiencing. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Sound like some awesome people, you know, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. This is somebody who understands. These are people who understand that the eternal is so much more important. The unseen is so much more important than the temporal, than the things that we do see. And so these are people that are doing great, right? Then verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Why would they say, do not throw away your confidence? There must have been an attrition that was happening here, that they were growing weary in the difficulties. And, you know, as the years go by, it just gets a little harder to face the same trouble. You feel like, aren't we over this yet? Haven't we conquered this yet? Well, remember the battlefield is in the heart. The outside world isn't going to be fixed until Jesus comes. Then it's a bit of a process then too, but... The reality is we will face persecution and we need to persevere in it. So verse 35 again. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So we must persevere. We must stand strong. We must not shrink back to destruction, but have faith and be saved. This will go on longer than you want. You will be over the spiritual battle before the spiritual battle is over, provided the Lord tarry. You must be prepared to persevere. So just again, a quick recap of knowing and understanding the biblical teachings. Pick your battles. Don't get all caught up in little things. Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, and then pray for those who persecute you. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Instead of taking revenge yourself, leave that to God. But your job is to bring good into the situation to overcome evil with good. Don't get caught up in the arguments, but instruct those hoping that they'll be able to come to the truth. And then here in Hebrews persevere, stand strong, continue on in the battle. All right. So no one understand the biblical teachings on the subject. That is just a quick overview of the biblical teachings on the subject, but I think you get a flavor of it. You get a flavor.
So how do we persevere? Number two, believe that you can do it. This one, we just have two verses to read, but is there important, important verses? We're going to read Philippians 4, verses 12 and 13. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So some versions, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all this. I can live in plenty. I can live in want. I can face opposition and persecution and hardship, or I can enjoy good times in life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Believe that you can do the teachings of Christ. You can do all things. You can do all this through him who gives you strength. Gain power from God and believe that you can not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath and then overcome evil with good. Believe that you can turn the other cheek. Don't just say, well, you know, I'm Irish. I can't turn the other cheek. I get all upset. No, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You know, don't give an excuse, but believe that you can follow the biblical teachings about dealing with persecution and opposition and hardship. Success eventually comes to those who refuse to settle for failure. If you just are like, yep, I'm just going to mess this up. I'm never going to get this right. You're never going to get to the place of succeeding. You must refuse to accept failure. And the truth is, and God knows it, and you need to know it, you can do it. You can succeed. You can overcome. So believe that you can follow the teachings of the Bible on dealing with persecution and opposition and hardship. Then my third point, go and practice on today's light and momentary troubles. This world is full of little opportunities for you to practice these things. We're not in the hard times. Maybe you think you're in the hard times and some people are going through really, really hard things. But as a society, we are not in the hard times. We are in the easy times, and yet there are some light and momentary troubles, some little things that we can go and practice living for Christ in. So I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 4.17. The Apostle Paul just simply writes, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Our light and momentary troubles. So Paul is talking about our light and momentary troubles. And we can go practice overcoming evil with good. We can go practice praying for those who persecute us. We can go and practice these teachings right now in the light and momentary trouble time. And before you balk at light and momentary troubles, I want you to go read second Corinthians chapter six and chapter 11. The apostle Paul has gone through his troubles. He's gone through his difficulties. You know, he was beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and just all kinds of terrible things happened to him. And he describes that here as light and momentary troubles. Paul earned the right to say light and momentary troubles. So trust that that is there to happen, that you can go and practice living for Christ in this world. Go and practice. We're not in a time of persecution yet in the United States. We need to be prepared. Right now, it's just unpleasant. It's a little bit of unpleasantry. 
So go ahead and practice following these teachings of Christ. We're going to close with Romans 12, 21. And I want us to pray for God to reveal a situation in our lives where we can overcome evil with good, where we can put this into practice. What's the situation? You have a difficult work environment, a difficult family situation, just a difficulty in your life where instead of bringing evil into it, you can bring good into it. Instead of being a a victim and feeling a loss of control, you can overcome and get the victory and be the champion. You know, where can you overcome evil with good? Not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'm going to pray that we can see a situation that we can specifically apply this to. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are so good, Lord. And for those who are watching this, who need to turn their lives over to you, Lord, I pray that right now they would ask for your forgiveness. They would repent and come to you and then pledge their lives to to walk with you, to serve you, and that you would meet them right where they are right now. And Father, for each of us, Show us a situation where we need to not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Help us to believe that your teachings are good and real and that we are well able to achieve them because it's not through our own strength, but it's through you that we are able to do these things. So Lord, show us a situation where we maybe we're being overcome by evil and we need to get on the other side of that and take control and be overcomers. And Lord, maybe we can put into the situation some good things and turn it around the other way. Lord, show us how to overcome evil with good. Give us a simple situation and give us the courage to live out that teaching so we can see your power show itself. Father, I pray a blessing over each one. Lord, that's here in this. Lord, let your peace be upon us. Let your joy be our strength. And Lord, let us know how much you love us so that we can share your love with this hurting world. In Jesus' name, amen.